Welcome to the podcast, Two Gals and a Glass Half Full, hosted by Dr. Bobby and Dr. Jess. They are two physical therapists sharing knowledge on living a more mindful, healthy, and active lifestyle, one small step at a time. If this sparks your interest, these are your two gals. Hey there, I'm Dr. Bobby, and this is Dr. Jess. We are two physical therapists just trying to live healthy most of the time and doing our best to see our personal glasses as half full. Some days that is much harder than others. We love to interview others to share their knowledge about things we may not know, and other times Dr. Jess and I are sharing our knowledge and information. So make sure you hit the subscribe button below, join our free Facebook group, and follow us on Instagram to receive our latest information. As we continue the month of May and talking about mental health, I'm very excited about our guest today. You have seen her before, um, but before we get going, Dr. Jess, what is in your glass? I have a cup of coffee this morning. It's uh, the myeloacidic bean that I prefer with some half and half. No sugar, just that like little bit of half and half, a little bit of a low acid bean, and I love it. Uh, <laughs> so Dr. Bobby, what's in your glass? I am today having some just sparkling strawberry water. Um, as I round out this pregnancy, I'm like really, really getting tired of just water. Uh, <laughs> so trying to find different ways to add in flavor and no caffeine. And I know probably making the water with actual strawberries would be better, but with a busy lifestyle, sometimes these are perfect. <laughs> And uh, today we have a mental health counselor with us. We have interviewed her before. We love uh, talking with mental health counselors. And so Jada, before you do your intro first, mm -hmm. what's in your glass? I just have um, black coffee, a cup of it in my Star Wars little glass because um, I'm a big Star Wars fan. But no yep. no cream, no sugar, just black how I like it. Yep, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Jada, tell us a little bit about you before we get started. So just so everybody kind of knows your um, really cool backgrounds, lots of training. Yeah, so I'm a licensed mental health counselor and I own two practices. My Just Keeps Women Counseling practice is something that's just my single practice I do. And then my group practice is Keep Evolving Beyond Therapy. Um, so with that, we work with anyone from individual counseling to couples to DBT skills groups is something we offer. And then we also have an IOP an intensive outpatient program now for substance abuse, which is something I'm going to be talking about today. Um, so we work with all populations, trauma, personality disorders, addiction, any of those struggles we kind of try to cover and, um, cover all the bases really. Mm-hmm. And I love how, uh, you know, how you're able to open up your practice and expand it to meet the needs of of who who you're seeing in the community. So, IOPs are uh, pretty important in communities, and that's part of what we want to raise awareness to in this month of mental health awareness mm -hmm. is substance abuse, and mm -hmm. it's actually a lot more common than I think we oftentimes realize. And there is help that's available and it's accessible. And so that's what we're trying to, one, just raise some awareness and then talk about what are your paths to be able to find help or help somebody else find help uh, so that they can actually go through some treatment and get out onto the other side. Uh, so that being said, Jada, um, 
as far as like substance abuse itself, oftentimes mm -hmm. we think of, you know, either alcohol or like hard, you know, hard drugs. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, have met multiple people in my life that that was not the case. It was other things. And so what are some other, um, other common things other than, other than those two that could be considered? Oh, wrong? Yeah. And I'll even make it broader and use the term addiction mm -hmm. to encompass what I'm about to say. Yeah. Um, so yes, you have alcohol, but you can also have caffeine. You can also be addicted to gambling. You can also be addicted to sugar. You can also be addicted to shopping, so it really covers everything, any ineffective behavior that we find we can't stop on our own really is this term addiction. And there's a lot of stigma that, you know, it's just drug addicts and they're different from alcoholics. And these are just terms we're really talking about the same thing here. Mm -hmm. They're not separate. Right. So addiction is addiction. Yeah. Well, and I think uh, with that, you, I, you know, you think of healthy things that mm -hmm. can also become addictions. And I think we sometimes forget that those are still healthy things can, can become unhealthy. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. Working out, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, so I think one of the things that kind of resonated with me when I was in undergrad is I met a couple of individuals that had addictions that weren't, you know, hard drugs or alcohol. And it was it was something that was eye opening to me. Like, oh wow, I I just I something I hadn't realized before that. And then along the way, you know, you you meet people, especially in you know in our field and healthcare field, where you know they'll start talking about you know behaviors that contribute to whether it's pain or whatever it might be, and um, it's it is often not seen as an addiction. Mm -hmm. because it's not drugs or alcohol and mm -hmm. opening up that conversation of like, well, you know, sometimes we can overdo. And at what point does that become addictive? Mm -hmm. um, and so I think what you had said with not being able to stop. Uh, mm -hmm. So um, are there other ways that you kind of help to open up that conversation of like, how would I recognize if this behavior of mine is uh, on getting to an unhealthy level. Sure. Um, is it impacting my daily life? You know, let's take shopping. For example, I love, you should see my office. I have hanging racks of clothes. You know, <laughs> I love a good shoe too. And if that is getting to the point where I can't pay my bills, if I'm having to maybe restrict my grocery budget each month, that could be a great indicator. Like, huh, like maybe something's going on here. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, of course, you have other signs like, are people around me taking notice? Are they making comments? It, it's a hard question because it's I think there's so much shame and stigma around this topic that we ourselves don't even want to look at it. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's very easy to just coast by. But are you having those comments? Is it impacting my life? Have you said things like, I'm just going to shop once a month? Or I'm just going to drink on the weekends. So when we start to do that, too, that can be an indicator like, huh, there's something going on. Um, if we're not revealing the truth to people, if they ask us, well, how much did you drink over the weekend? You know, you're saying you don't really feel good today and you're noticing yourself say, I just had one bottle, but really you had eight. Um Another good indicator, like something's going on. And I find shame is the emotion that we hide. 
Mm-hmm. We, it means we're trying to hide our behavior because we feel like people around us will judge us or reject us. And that can be true. And that's not a, that doesn't mean we definitely hide and dig our head and put our head in the sand. It's a great indicator of, let me take a step back. Is this effective? And that simple question in itself to ourselves, is this effective can be really helpful if mm-hmm. we can look at it and really, really face that question, the answer to that question. So I was going to say, sometimes that question takes a little bit because I think our human nature is if someone points something out to us is defensive. Like mm-hmm. actually, no, 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 I didn't I, you know, or like, no, like you don't understand or it's not like that. And like to really be able to take that step back and like, wait a second, is this really affecting me that much? It takes a little bit. And because you're talking about the shame and the guilt, like mm-hmm. sometimes the hardest part is admitting to ourselves that maybe this is something I should look into or, you know, maybe this is something that I'm, I feel like I'm using in a healthy way, but maybe I'm not. Exactly. Yeah. Very, very difficult, but that's a good point. Dr. Bobby It's just the defense and feeling that because that's usually coming from some kind of anger there too. But I would say the primary emotion, which we love to skip over in our culture anyways, is shame. And it's coming out as, nope, don't look at me. It's fine. I'm fine. (laughs) So no, 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 we're, we're not. And another thing you can do if you are kind of hesitant on taking that step forward is um, I believe it's mha.org or .com. It's mental health, is it America or association? Maybe it's association. You can do a quick Google search of this and they have free assess- self assessments you can do online. And one of them is for addiction. Um, so things like that can just be their, their self-report. They're just screening. So it's not saying, Hey, I have a substance use disorder. It's just simply saying, okay, I hit, I scored this high. Maybe it's a great indicator. I need to talk to somebody. And that can, they also offer depression, bipolar, anything, those kind of basic screenings they can do there. So another thing people can do. Yeah. And we'll link that in the uh, episode description. We'll find that link and put it in there to make it nice and easy to find. Um, So always good, always going to make it easy. Uh, Oh yeah. No barriers. Right. (laughs) So I think one thing I think is, you know, the point out is that some of these substances like sugar, uh, tobacco, alcohol, like they're, they're meant to be addictive. Like, Mm -hmm. so like the brain itself, can you explain a little bit about that with the dopamine release and what happens and why there's this recurrent, need for the next release of dopamine? Mm -hmm. The best way I describe this, and I'm sure there's professionals out there that are going to be able to describe the neurology of this 10 times better than me, Mm -hmm. is we are basically creating new pathways in our brains and we're kind of wearing out our neurotransmitters to where we need more in order to get that same effect. So now we're talking about tolerance increasing. Mm -hmm. So that can be for anything. Like, let's talk about caffeine. Do you ladies find that you need more cups to fill the same impact? I mean, sure. Like it's, I I do. Yeah. (laughs) I usually, like, I usually don't have, well, sometimes I'll have one cup. I usually have two. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And so that's what's happening is we are creating these new pathways in our brain. We are wearing out. I just like to say wearing out our neurotransmitters. I'm sure there's neurologists out there listening saying that's not the way we phrase it. (laughs) And layman's terms, that's really what's happening. And so our brain is thinking we need more in order to have the same impact. And now we're building tolerance and tolerance is what you have to be careful of. And another good way to look at man, do I need to buy more to feel this good? Or do I need to drink more coffee? Or do I need to smoke more cannabis in order for this impact? And that is a great sign that we are building our tolerance. And that could lead to ineffective behaviors. Mm -hmm. So we see that a lot. We -hmm. see that a lot with pain medicine too, you know, yes, Yes. surgical things like that. um, Or chronic pain a lot as well, kind of needing more over time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Absolutely. but some of the hard, some of the hard things like with sugar, like we, sugar is natural, certain types of sugar are natural in our body. And I have a family member that at one point still kind of addicted to food and just eating and stress. And that's how they cope. And one thing that we brought to, they brought to my attention that was different. Cause you think about addictions, well, you can just stop. Like, mm-hmm. you know, on the outside, you have that concept of like, well, so smoking so bad, just stop, you know, stop day one. And A, that's not always the case. Um, and then B, for example, with my family member, um, it's hard because what they're addicted to, you need to have to survive life. Like you can't go through life without food. So some of these things, shopping, for example, there's ways to help with it. But at the same time, you can't just quit cold turkey like you could with mm-hmm. with alcohol or with some of the other substances where you could just knock them out of your life forever. There is like some, some addictions that are kind of going to be around us and learning how to deal with that and learning how to cope and manage is mm-hmm. very challenging. I've seen that firsthand. Absolutely. Yeah. I think with the whole opioid epidemic, we are seeing a dec- decrease in Duval County. We're part of the opioid project, um, which is another resource to share. Um, we are seeing luckily a decrease in fatalities associated with opioid use. This is a drug, though, that the withdrawals, some people think will kill you. They won't, but it's you get really sick and that's what keeps people to use. And that also leads to the fatality because they maybe stop for a week and then they go right back and try to use the same amount. And that's mm-hmm. what's killing people right there. So withdrawals is a big reason why people relapse or why people keep using too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And I think, I think the more that we understand that there is this dopamine release in the brain that happens when we do something that our body sees as, as pleasurable, right? So like having that glass of wine or going shopping, having that uh, donut that's got the sugar in it. Um, So you get this pleasurable release. That's like, oh, I feel better. So it feels like you're doing something good. So that's mm-hmm. confusing. Like yeah. that's so confusing. How is this bad if I feel so good? And so that's part of the conversation that I think is helpful to open up and say like, yeah, I get it. Like I totally get it that that's very confusing. However, <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's leading to X, Y, and Z behaviors, which are, you know, actually not healthy. And, um, but I think before you really understand that, that I think helps hopefully with the defensiveness of like, oh, this is why I keep doing it. If I know the why, then it helps to understand, okay, now how can I make a plan moving forward? That Absolutely. at least for me, that 
would be helpful um, when that was first explained to me with the dopamine release. Cause I was like, how, what, how does this happen? That, oh, okay. It's actually a chemical release in the brain and things in our society are designed to do that. <laughs> I was going to say, like, I think a common one, Dr. Jess, as you're talking about that we don't realize is social media with oh, yeah. the likes and the follows, and especially in our younger population. I mean, I know it affects me as an adult, so I can only imagine a developing brain in a teenager child, but you know, the more likes you get, the more dopamine, you know, and then you want more and more and more. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's another one that's addictive, right? Social media, video games. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I catch myself sometimes just doing a scrolling and I'm like, Ooh, let me pull back. Mm-hmm. Um, but the point is it, it is very important to validate folks struggling that this is a disease of the brain yeah. and it's easier said than done. And this is not a matter of willpower. If it was, there wouldn't be any need for therapists and residential facilities and all that. I wish it was that simple. Mm-hmm. And it's right. Yeah. yeah if, if anybody says like, just quit, okay. uh, it's not, there's so much more that goes into creating a sustainable plan moving forward, not only for that substance or activity or whatever it might be, but to what about the next thing that it could jump to, right? Mm-hmm. So there's yeah. like, that's the treatment part of it that is really, really important. Uh, and that's kind of our next question is, if somebody does like, yeah, I would, I'm, I recognize that I, I probably need some, a change here or somebody in your life you're recognizing what kind of avenues, because I know there's a kind of multiple avenues that, that people can take depending on severity. Uh, yeah. so what does that look like? Well, I'll talk about the the folks that are actually in the addiction themselves. I mean, you can get on psychology today. It's a wonderful research resource and you can narrow it down based on your needs. So that includes, let's talk about the reality of money. I mean, these things are not cheap. And IOP, some of them are just self-pay and some of them do take insurance or some. And when I say IOP, guys, it's intensive outpatient program, um, depending on your severity, could be useful for people that still want to work and continue their life while also in recovery. But anywho, you have your IOPs, you have residential facilities. So this psychology today allows you to narrow down based on insurance, self-pay, if you have co-occurring disorders, which a lot of times the solution for folks is using the substance, but the problem is something else. So maybe that's depression or mood disorders or personality disorders. So we need to treat that trauma. Trauma is a big one. Mm -hmm. Um, So anywho, that is a wonderful place to start is just narrowing it down. If a residential sounds too big and scary, which I get, I mean, I couldn't imagine tomorrow saying, Jada, you need to go to residential. I feel my heart rate beating. So I think that's really valid. And then you have family and you're concerned about your children and all that. So maybe a one-on-one is a way to go with an individual therapist, get assessed and listen to their clinical recommendations. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a great resource I like to share. Um, SAMHSA is another one. And that just has a lot of data on current statistics for uh, um, substance abuse disorders in our, in our society, the percentage of co-occurring warning signs. Another great resource for folks um, that are looking to say, oh, something's not right here. I mm-hmm. want to talk to someone. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, I think I think that was a good point that you brought up that sometimes, you know, 
when you're using a substance in an unhealthy manner or activity or food, whatever it might be, that the underlying, whether it's you know depression or something else, trauma, big time, I see that in physical therapy on a regular basis, that there was some sort of accident, trauma was associated. I am dealing with the biomechanical pain component, but there's definitely some behavioral component as well. And they're like, what do you mean? This happened 20 years ago. I'm like, right. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't, <laughs> it just, doesn't go away. doesn't go away. Like there's, there's steps that if you go through some steps and work with somebody, I'm pretty sure you're going to, you're going to get some results that would help you. Uh, you know, it's that, that is really important to address of, I mean, trauma, by the way, is not just like getting beat up by somebody. Trauma can be medical trauma. So if you go through a, like a very scary health is life is on the line situation and not that you are out of control, like everybody else had the control and you had none. Mm -hmm. Maybe there was some negative experiences that happened with that. Maybe there was, you know, all sorts of things, you know, it's, it is what it is. Trauma can happen in any type of scenario. And so you've had a surgery, you got an infection, then they had this, then it was this whole cascade of effects, you know, all of that could be trauma. And if you, you know, it, it could be, you know, the death of a, a loved one. I mean, there's so many different things, but if you think back to like, before this event, I didn't have this type of behavior or pain or whatever it might be. If it, if, if before that it was fine. And after that, it wasn't, that could be trauma. And so that's definitely where, again, talking with a, finding a good mental health counselor can be very helpful with that. I I really try and point that out, you know, when I can in a a safe way of Mm -hmm. like, just, you know, notice the timeline there. That's all. See, see some correlations. Um, Absolutely. And and I don't know if you guys are familiar with the ACE, which is the adverse childhood experiences, but this is a checklist of all these things you're kind of talking about here, Jess. And that's something that we share with clients in the IOP or one-on-one is we'll have them take the ACE. And that could be anything from witnessing domestic violence to the big T traumas like abuse. And then it also could be like parents divorced Mm -hmm. or Parents were in and out of the house or um, I'm thinking of mental health. They have mental health disorders. These things will increase likelihood of physical and mental health struggles, including substance abuse. So you have the biology component. Yes. And then you also have the environmental component and both coexist here and influence our behaviors and our likelihood to develop some of these things. So it's so validating to share this with folks though, because of the shame associated with it in here and thinking that this is a matter of willpower. And so just to come back to that, it is no. not, it's no. not. It is separate from willpower. This is yeah. completely different. And mm-hmm. so giving yourself grace and stepping back and really learning and understanding more, I think we'll kind of realize this is like, I mean, that it's kind of, you know, I try and point out like, would you do your own surgery? Yeah, I like that. <laughs> like you wouldn't. Like your your yeah. your bone is pointing in the wrong direction. Right? <laughs> you would go see help because you can see it. Mm-hmm. Yes. This you can't see. And so mm-hmm. that's sometimes what happens is it feels like, oh, it must be 
you know, like willpower, or I can, you know, just hide it or, you know, the shame, you know, things like that. This is that same level. Like it requires a professional to really make sure that you're getting to the root cause. And once you get to the root, then you can actually establish a legitimate plan moving forward. And I also think what's important to point out is that it's not always that you have to go to a facility. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. not always the, the case. And that's why I think highlighting the intensive outpatient programs is something that's really important to talk about as an option, right? Mm-hmm. So what? So that's what I kind of like to learn about a little bit more with intensive outpatient programs. So that seems like intensive. Uh-oh. Do I have the time for that? <laughs> the very word, right? I wish we would change that. <laughs> right? Like, whoa, uh, I don't know if I'm an intense person. I mean, I need yeah help but like uh so like i you know i'm just pointing out you know what we might hear or when we you know when we hear that word uh but let's like make that actually it's actually not as intense as uh it might sound like yeah so these programs have to be at least nine hours a week some kind of vary a little bit longer but you're thinking on average it's nine hours a week three days ours is three days a week and most are three days a week three hour groups you have some like ours is nine to noon. And then you have some out there that offer like, I think it's soft rose. They have a, an evening one too, for mm-hmm. folks that work. And that's just three days of your life guys for three hours each day. It's Meaning you can hard. still work. Yes. Mm-hmm. You, you can, can still, still work. Right. Yes. Yes. If, the time, if you, if you go and they're recommending IOP, what an opportunity to get ahead of this. Mm-hmm. Cause guess what? If you don't, you got to think long-term what's going to happen. I mean, that's mm-hmm. going to increase likelihood of going to residential and the fear of a lot of my folks is being out of work and being away from their families. Okay. I get that. But if we don't do this now, what's going to happen? Right. Big conversation. And a lot of our folks in addiction, whether that's shopping or cocaine or opioids or alcohol have trained their brains for short-term grati- gratification so it's hard to think long-term. So I really challenge folks like play, there's a good saying, play the tape through. If we don't do it now, what's going to happen? Take advantage of this IOP if that's what your clinician's recommending. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really great. You're going to get a lot of support in a group setting. Along with the group settings, IOPs will offer individual. If they're if they're identifying there's co-occurring matters going on, Um They'll set you up with a therapist, whether that's during the program or after the program for that one-on-one therapy. They may recommend you for med management to help with cravings, urges, or if they're identifying other mental health related concerns for those things. So it's a big team effort. We'll wrap your our arms around you. Any IOP will um, to help you through this while you're also still immersed in, in family life and work. So great opportunity. And there's different IOPs. There's some just for mental health. There's some just for substance abuse and there's some that are co-occurring. So substance abuse and mental health. So if you were to search IOPs, sorry, probably, um, but like what would, would psychologytoday.com have IOPs? Yeah. I think there's a section on there. You have to click facility or treatment center, but if you just type in IOP, you'll find it. Okay. Yeah. Very psychology today is very user-friendly. Cool. If I can do it, you guys can do it out there. <laughs> I guess my question, not knowing, you know, I don't have much experience with any, um, anything with like substance abuse, mental health, you know, things like that relatively close to me. Um, is it something like, let's say someone feels they're ready. Do they have to go get a referral to go there? 
Or can they just kind of find a place and like walk in or call and say like, hey, I need help, you know? I'm shaking my head no, and then I'm going to take that back. It depends on your insurance. In a perfect world, um, insurance companies don't need what we call pre-authorization or a referral. Um, Some do. My experience has been you can just walk in, you can start getting assessed, and we'll work with the insurance company to get those days. So that would be the only complication. And God, you talk about a stressor, you know, I know insurance, I want to say it is a necessary evil. Um, <laughs> we, we will, mo- I'm going to say we, and I'm encompassing not just our practice, but I know other practices that will do this as well. will fight to give you guys those days. Um, Cause the other thing with IOPs is they're typically 21 days. So insurance companies will give you like three days or six days, and then we'll get back on the phone and we'll say, no, 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 you know, mm-hmm. this doesn't go away. And we'll, we'll get argue back and forth with them. Um, and then we, most IOPs will work with people. So the answer to that is it depends on your insurance and you can call your insurance too and get referrals through them. So that's another route. I know they can be a pain in the booty, um, but nonetheless, they're going to tell you they, you're, this facility's in network or not in network. So it's a good place to start too. Mm-hmm. And so let's say like there's, you know, so we talked about like the individual you recognize yourself, you can do uh, some of the screening on this uh, MHA.health, which I like, again, we'll find yes. it. We'll find yes. the link. Uh, so as an individual, we have a pretty clear path of like, I can screen myself, I can look on psychology today, I can, you know, check my insurance. However, let's say this is somebody in your life. It's not you, Right. A close yeah. friend, family member, coworker, somebody that you actually have true concern about. Um, what are some healthy ways to approach this topic without judgment and you shoulds and finger pointing, right? Um, like that that doesn't feel good to anybody. So that I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> right. So what are some strategies for it's a really tough conversation. Yes, it is so tough. Well, I think what you got to do is corner them and definitely point fingers. That works every time. <laughs> every time, right? Yeah, if we're, if we're talking about defensiveness, <laughs> that's a good way to encourage it. I want to validate loved ones and family members and friends that have someone in their life that they believe is struggling because you are struggling too. Mm-hmm. This is a really tough conversation you're about to have. And so what I, when I have clients in front of me that were recognizing this and they're needing help with that conversation, the first thing is, like I said, go talk to someone about this. What I find, I work with a lot of side note, high risk teenagers and their families. And I find that the family members have a high rate of PTSD themselves because of the ineffective behavior their kiddos struggling with. Mm, Okay. And so when we have these high rates of shame and stress and dysregulation and PTSD ourselves, it's going to be really hard to go into this conversation and regulate and say, I need you to get help. So there's, I I always try to get any family member of my clients within recovery to go get help themselves. So they're not pejorative toward their loved one. Mm -hmm. So one thing to always remember, we call it phenomenological empathy in DBT. It's a mouthful. Phenomenological empathy is the ability, right? We love wordy. Marshall Lennon-Hain, creator of DBT, loves to be wordy. Um, Basically, it's saying remain non-judgmental. And when you catch yourself being judgmental, take a step back. 
And one way to remain non-judgmental is, is to take a step back and have the psychoeducation on this disorder, that this is not a matter of willpower. Mm-hmm. Your loved one is, I truly believe, is not trying to hurt you, to cause you pain or suffering. They're suffering. Right. They're scared. And so that's the one thing I'm going to say to start the whole conversation is do an internal check. Where am I to have this conversation? And if you feel as soon as you think of that person, you're noticing judgment and anger, it's not a good time for you to have that conversation that's going to be productive. So please go talk to someone. You're valid in your concern. You need someone to talk to about this to get it off your chest so it's not coming out sideways to your person. Mm -hmm. Once you're able to get to that place where you can regulate, it's about taking a deep breath. Um writing out even what you want to say to that person is, is nothing to be ashamed of. Cause I don't know about you guys, but this is just how the brain works when we're flooded, you know, our prefrontal cortex, which is reason logic right here is going to shut down and go black. Your amygdala is going to be what's activated. And so that's where impulses come out and we're quick to do this. So I like to have things in front of me Like right now I have my notes because I was a little anxious about getting on here. (laughs) So I have my notes because my brain goes blank. There's nothing wrong with that. I like, I feel like I feel scared. I feel sad because I'm seeing you struggle. Can we, we get some help together? Can Mm -hmm. I help you get that help? So I feel is just short. It's sweet. It gets your emotion out without pointing a finger. And then you are able to say, can we help? Can I help you? Mm. What can we do? Now that's a tough conversation because it's not going to go that smoothly. Let's be real. You may get pushback. You're probably going to get defense. So we have to prepare for that. Again, your loved one is not trying to attack you. So just remember them for who they are. They don't want to hurt you. And that doesn't mean you don't have your own boundaries. So that's okay to have too. I work with a lot of people that will feel this intense guilt for having these conversations and they can't fathom setting a boundary. Like if you don't get help, I can't have you in my life right now. Guilt can be justified and we still do the action anyways. Mm -hmm. Your value system may say you don't want to hurt someone's feelings. I get that. So it's dialectical. It's both. And you feel guilty and this conversation is long-term. This is to help your person. This is to help you. And this is the only way we're going to see behavioral, well, behavioral change as far as getting them help Mm -hmm. or keep doing what you're doing and see where that gets you guys. Like it's, you're carrying that weight. It's not going to get you anywhere. And the relationship's probably going to implode anyways, eventually the hard way. Right. So the whole point of that really is, is don't do it alone make sure you're regulated, write it out, um, be ready for pushback, have your limits, validate the pain. I always say validate the valid. I know you're struggling. I know you're in pain. I love you. And mm-hmm. don't add butt to anything and negates it all. Right. And, and I need you to get help. Here's a list of resources doesn't mean you're going to be the one that calls them. Again, that depends on where your limits are and where you're at. I just don't think it hurts to say, here's a list of 10 places you can go. I found them for you. Right. So hopefully that's helpful to folks to hear. That's how I would go about it though. Yeah. I love, I love that 
before you have such a big conversation, I love all of the checks ahead of time. Because if it were me that, you know, was in that situation where I'm struggling with something and if somebody was like, you need help, I might actually know that in the back of my brain. However, I might not be ready to do all the research behind that. Or I might think that they're looking at me different or I'm not I'm not at the level where, you know, I expect myself to be therefore, you know, you must not like me or whatever. So just having that already in place of like, here's how I'm feeling. I still love you. Here's steps that are very tangible, like clear, easy to implement. Not a lot of research has to go into it. It that just like eases everything. To me, if it, if it were me, that would that would make it easier to receive. Oh, wow, yeah. I can get help. And my fears, like think about what that person's fears might be. Out of work is a big one. So that I can't afford yeah. this. Yeah. Absolutely. So like addressing like as much as you can ahead of time, what would the fears be for this individual away from family? You know, um, so let's I. I could see where you would have these fears. Here's a plan that would help to make sure that we're thinking about those. And the minute that they're like, wait, you thought about that? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it just, it would feel to me, it would feel very like they've considered my experience and mm-hmm. what I'm about to go through is going to be hard. And if mm-hmm. this person has considered that, then I could consider it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so versus shoulds that's shoulds we do because we should, we don't know why we're doing it. We just should do it. Uh, if I know the why and it it just, it always is, you're going to just have a better participation level. (laughs) Talk to the person, not at the person, basically. Um, before you open your mouth, you got to open your mind, Mm -hmm. see them, you yeah. know, not this, uh, I, I always, myself always struggle. I have clients that will say things like I'm an alcoholic. And if that works for them, that's fine. The reason I bring this up is I like to rephrase it as you are Steve and you have alcohol use disorder. Yes. This is something we have to look at, but this doesn't encompass you. You're still that same person. And I challenge people out there to think about that too, with their loved ones. They're still there. Right. And they have this thing. Right. that we have to treat just like diabetes or heart disease or blood pressure. You know, we got to address these things or we're going to, what is the saying? Jails, morgues. And there's another one that I'm having a brain fart about, you know, if we don't address these things, we can end up there. Right. Uh, so in, in an ideal world, you know, you go through and when you're going through all that, maybe this is your first time bringing it up to someone and you already know they're going to be defensive. They're going to be in denial. Like they don't see it as a problem. What can that family member do to prepare themselves for that? And then where do they go from there? Um, because sometimes if you keep hounding something, mm-hmm. you know, it creates more of a problem, but like, it's not also something you just want to brush under the rug and kind of move on. It's really, really complicated. Um, again, prepare regulate deep breathing. Um, I would suggest going into it with always an I feel statements um, and validate like, like I, 
and be honest. Like I, I'm struggling having this conversation because I love you so much. I don't want you to feel uncomfortable and I'm scared. I like to use the term scared or sad. I think that really drives it home because I really think that's what's happening versus I'm disappointed or angry. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you're just kind of setting the stage of, I I think we need to look at this. Do you need help? So you're planting a seed. Now, Mm -hmm. as you go, if that conversation doesn't really go anywhere, trust me, they they still have it. And that didn't get erased from their brain. They're carrying it with them. Um, and depending where your limits are too, it's a balancing act. Um, like for example, if you have someone in your home actively using and you have kids and maybe this person's using opioids and it's getting dangerous, obviously your timeline, you may be a little bit more irreverent or quick to be irreverent and that's okay too. And that can look like, I need you to, I need you not should, I need you to get help. Our kids are suffering. I'm suffering. I'm going to help you do this. And if they still say no, it can look like, I call it the broken record. Um, if they try to derail you, like, no, 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 I get it. I get it. You're scared. I scared. And can we still do this? So you want to keep coming back to that mm-hmm. or go to a therapist. You know, I have clients all the time that will bring loved ones in and I help them. I meditate, meditate. I can help with that conversation. Um, so we do stay on track. So even the loved one doesn't have to do this alone. I was about to say, are there some good resources or I mean, counseling for the loved ones on how to? Yeah. I think any therapist would help with this conversation Mm -hmm. you're about to have. So, yeah, Yeah, I think, I don't know if you would agree. Sometimes if you can give specific examples, Mm -hmm. it's especially when it's something that, I mean, drug use is pretty clear, you know, Uh, but if it's something that is one of these behaviors that are not what we would typically consider as like, like, oh, I had no idea this could be addictive. Uh, Listing out like specifics, I think can Mm -hmm. make it more tangible of like, you know, whether it's food of like, well, here's, you know, X, Y, and Z I've noticed. And and uh, we know that that's going to lead to whatever, um, or if it's an exercise-based thing, it, it, this has led to this. I've seen this happen. I've seen the results. Um, and then I think that kind of helps also. They're like, oh, oh, they maybe, maybe they didn't make the correlation between X and Y, you know? And so having somebody point it out doesn't mean that the first time you have the conversation, like, oh yeah, I mm-hmm. definitely see what you're saying. I 100% <laughs> am interested in yeah. getting help. It's the stages of change, right? Mm-hmm. So if we can get somebody from pre-contemplative to contemplative to ready to make a state, a step, I, I think if you're seeing the progress in the mm-hmm. stages of change, that would feel helpful, you know, to you. And then, you know, just keep going until they're ready for change and and receiving help versus staying in pre-contemplative and um, avoidance. So Mm -hmm. I think if they're staying there, that would be, I would more likely do a mediation with a therapist if it Mm -hmm. it was me. I think it's a great thing. And I like the specifics. There's nothing wrong with that because they may in their mind, not recollect that intent doesn't mean consequence on others. And a lot of people don't 
think that they're like, well, my intent wasn't to hurt you. Well, they're crying anyways. So (laughs) they did. We can't control always that we don't always see the consequence. Um, The one thing I will say is people will assume a lot. Well, they know what I mean. No, 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 no. You have to be specific and clear with your boundaries. Um, And that way you can kind of come back on that too. And there's nothing wrong with, I, I, I hate when it gets to this point. And it sometimes happens where we have to say things like, if you don't get help by such and such, I'm going to, I have, I'm going to have to leave. And I, I breaks my heart and I don't want anyone to do that alone. And if that's what you have to do, don't have shame. I hope you don't have shame about it. You got to do what you got to do sometimes too, as a loved one, really Mm -hmm. tough call. I, and, but I know a lot of family members have so much guilt because they feel like they're hurting their family and they're putting them out. And I like to say, well, by not addressing this, by keeping it in, you're, we're causing more harm. Right. So very painful though. Yeah. It's definitely, it's, it's not a lighthearted conversation by any means. However, it is one that is really more common than, than we think sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I think if, if we all take a step back and that's kind of the, the challenge of the week is to like, just maybe let's take a step back and think, is there somebody in my life that I know is struggling? Like I, 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 you, you know it, you see it. Uh, I'm not saying like, go have that conversation, but maybe just take that step back and, and make a realization. You know, it doesn't have to be judgment. It doesn't have to be anything other than just maybe I can have some compassion towards this topic and have just raised some awareness. And through that, I think a lot of good change can happen just because of raising some awareness and uh, some of that harsher critical comments, uh, maybe maybe try not doing those. Mm-hmm. That, that's all, you know, of, of just like, stop eating those donuts or come on, just quit doing all that shopping. Just quit. What if the challenge this week is to not say that? And the challenge is to maybe try and understand why the behavior is happening. And then from there, who knows what would unfold. So adopt a curious mind. Right. What exactly. have you left out of this? Stick mm-hmm. to the facts, remove the labels and judgment. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. So that is the challenge. And uh, Jada, thank you so much for coming on today. We Very welcome. put all of the uh, link for her, you know, the two practices in the episode description, as well as a lot of the resources that we've talked about today. And so please, you know, share this episode if you feel like it's helpful to somebody to listen to. Uh, don't, don't, don't keep it to yourself. Go ahead and uh, <laughs> challenge the avoidance, guys. Yeah. <laughs> don't hide. Yeah. All right. Well, stay tuned. We will be continuing in uh, the month of mental health awareness. So that will kind of more episodes are coming. And um, I, we look forward to seeing you all next week. Thank you for listening to the episode today. If you would like to learn more about how Two Gals can support you, then join our Two Gals Insiders membership, which can be found at www.2-gals.com. Also, don't forget, follow us on social media. We're on Facebook as well as Instagram. Okay, everybody. Bye. Enjoy your week.